guys to the MMOs.com podcast. This is Altai here with episode 66, and I am joined this week by... Omeric. Matt. Shurelia. And once hey. again, no once again right, in the middle no of the, right in the middle of the overlay, we got a big old fat X. Gumball is still making the transition to, uh, the transition. to gender, yeah, gender like, neutrality. Did you, did you lower his HP to zero? <laughs> oh, like, oh come on. He's got to be dead by now. <laughs> He's negative by now. Cause you He's get negative 10, out. you're knocked out. You know, D&D style. Speaking like of those things, the... I forgot to come up with a better uh, title. Okay, Matt is still the resident cynic. Shu remains the witch. I am the lolly, man- lolly master. And Altai is still the grand wizard. We forgot to change this as well. <laughs> Wait, can we change these? No, can grand we change wizard. These? I need my wizard hat. One second. All right, he's gonna get his wizard hat, and we're gonna get started. <laughs> this could get really, really bad, oh, really ready, quickly. Boys. I can't, I can't believe you just left it as the grand. <laughs> Listen, the context is what makes it. Come what on, it is. come Shoot, on. You're adding the context. The context is within MMOs, all right? He's, he's. I'm just saying. You know, like a knight grand cross. It's like a, it's like a grand <laughs> wizard, all right? Oh, the grand cross, the grand burning cross. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, boys. <laughs> All right, well, uh, moving on. This is why we need Sean back. All right, so weekly raid. Let's do it. All right, I'm going to go and grab up. it. Yep. I'm going to link it up. All right. Weekly raid this week is how important is role playing in MMORPGs? So I know everyone has got a different story for this. But we do talk in length about the importance of a game's player base and fostering a sense of community. When you first log in, 100 players running around trying to kill kobolds, it creates a nice atmosphere. But how about those players that are embodied in their characters who talk like their characters and develop mannerisms? Isn't that why you have stuff like, you know, the, the slash emotion stuff? So how do you guys feel about role-playing in the games you play? Is it important in an RPG? Is it nice to have? Have you guys ever participated in role-playing in, in your favorite games? So who wants to take it up first? Uh, I think she probably has the most to say about this. So before we get to her, I'll do my small piece. I okay. love seeing it, but I like seeing it mixed in with regular play. I'm more hesitant on, like, specific RP servers. I know why they have specific RP servers, because there's always assholes who, like, ruin it. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I like seeing it weaved into the world. Like in WoW, when you see someone walking instead of running, you know, like, and back, you know, when mm-hmm. I used to play games, I would maybe spend two or five percent of my time role playing, just in between, you know, like PvP or whatever, just for fun. So I like it getting interwoven with regular play. But it's a nice touch. That's my piece. Right. I I don't think I've ever seen role play personally that added anything. To what I was playing, like it's always hilariously bad whenever I see it. Wow. There are probably people that do it really well, you know, but it's always been hilariously bad when I've seen it. And like, you've got the people in Black Desert that stand in the middle of the road, walking down the road, going on about like, and today our mission is to kill all of these orcs. And it's like, that's what their quest is or something. And it's like, they all slowly draw their swords with the draw weapon button, you know, instead of going mm-hmm. into combat mode. And they all just in sync, charge straight down the road, and they run like a mile to the quest zone, right? They run literally like an in-game mile to the quest zone. And then there are the other people, like I've seen in Final Fantasy, at, oh, uh, shit, what's that tavern called? Uh, I haven't played it in, like, The Drowning Witch. No, the one in uh, Old Ah. I, 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 like I, I forgot the name. The, I like the name Drowning Guild, Witch, though. The Adventurer's Guild, or...? The, the one where Momadi is. Quicksand, that's yeah, it. The quicksand. They're the people that hang out in the quicksand basically doing ERP. And I'm just sitting there like, uh, guys, guys, please stop. Please stop. Wait, why are you <laughs> watching, Matt? Yeah, huh? Matt. 
Oh, Why so are you watching? Don't watch. Either you participate or don't watch. I have to get my quest sometime. You know, there are so always are like, peers. I just have to kind of like dodge through and make sure that nobody touches me. You know. So are you like that? So are you like going into like first person view and you're just like watching the ERP and you're like just sitting there in the corner, like like behind like a vase or something. Then more like I walk outside and I realize what all the chat I've been seeing is all about when I see somebody like kneeling on someone's crotch and I'm just like, how is this even possible right That's now? That's what they all say, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, I'll take it for a bit too. I, I, have a, I have a small bit of experience role-playing. I usually just do it on and off, probably like less than my brother. I just remember one minor story I had in a game like an old game like Ultima Online. Where this is where I would I would actually we would actually go into town, we'd actually set up our own tavern, and you'd actually we'd craft these tables. You put the tables on the ground, like in a busy area, and put them all around a big like square. We'd have a chest in the middle where we have like all the alcohol. We'd have plates on the tables, so people would walk by and sit down, and we'd be like, "Hello, sir. You know, how was your adventure? We'd like that. We have a special deal today. You know, we give you two ales for fifty gold or something, right? And we put the ale on the table after they pay, and they put the money on the table, and like we create this cool atmosphere where a lot of people were having fun participating. But because like this is not a part of the game, anyone could have walked up to like the tables and just taken them. So every like ten minutes, some asshole would come by and literally just pick up all our tables. So they're, they're not worth it. The tables are garbage, right? But people would walk by and just take all the tables and plates and be like, "Law, effing role players, law, law, law," and then walk away. And we have to like restart again. But, but see, that it's actually still fun. worked for me because like, I you know, making a fake bar in the middle of town, like the bank, um, mm -hmm. that's only fun for like you know ten minutes, right? So the fact yeah. that an asshole came along and ruined it was like a good time to stop and go hunt monsters and kill people again and then later Plus, maybe a week yeah. later we do it again for like 10 20 minutes till another asshole came along so the assholes actually kind of kept us in check from getting bored of role playing <laughs> all right and one last thing i want to throw in there in star wars galaxies for example altai was playing a female uh, character i forget i think it's a female human and we were at the like this player run town area and he would always like be on the table strip dancing all right so altai would always role play the stripper and get money that way and like sometimes like it was pretty funny i was a wookie character and like some guy went to like ERP with Altai, and he was like, and he Altai would name his price, right? Like a shit ton of money. And like if you, he's like, if you throw this in, you get the Wookiee for free too. So my character's gonna mail Wookiee. And he's like, what? Why would we want the Wookiee in there as well? <laughs> but like sometimes, sometimes I get tossed into the mix. He's like, okay, fine, bring the Wookiee too. Like, and they'd be doing this crazy RP. And I'm just like there dancing in my hairy Wookiee form, which was a lot of fun. In my defense, in Star Wars <laughs> Galaxies, there was a legit skill called dancing. Like, and people got like buffs or resting from watching it. So it wasn't all role playing. I was actually providing a real service in the game, mechanic wise. So basically, tell yourself. So basically, one time you were role playing a an exotic alien stripper. Yes. Yes. I am proud of that moment. It was fun. I mean, the stuff like people would ask you, and then you'd like try to get me involved as well, even though I'm a male Wookie. I'd try to be like your pimp or something. It was we role played it. It was fun. And, and, I bet she has the most stories here, though. Yeah, even, even in Star Wars Galaxy, it's all about the small, for me at least, the small, like, I go play for 5, 10, 20 minutes, and then just go out about my day. So that was good. Actually, I like RPing. Like, um, when I rejoined Dun Final Fantasy, it was, like, one of my prerequisites. I told, like, everyone else playing, and I was like, I'm kind of, like, we had to join an RP thing, otherwise I'm not going to play. And I, I don't know, it's important to me because I kind of want to feel, like, immersed in the world, and mm -hmm. I feel like um, jo joining like an RP group and having like you know friends to RP with like kind of makes like your character feel more real and um, I mean that's not to say I mean there are people that kind of take it to an extreme level and there's people that 
try to ruin fun for other people. I mean, that's. I mean, there's just going to be people like that in games. Mm-hmm. You have the option of RPing in private, especially in Final Fantasy. It has like private rooms and stuff, you know. But I mean, I do have a lot of good RP stories. I just don't really remember them right now. Was, I I wasn't expecting this as the topic because I didn't really <laughs> look prior. <laughs> Because I've had a pretty busy week, but it's pretty important to me. Like a lot in a lot of games, Final Fantasy, uh, a lot of MUDs I used to play. I'm um, just online too. Like I play a lot of like Dungeons and Dragons. I'm actually playing Dungeons and Dragons tomorrow, like a new game. And um, I, I like the people that I play Dungeons and Dragons with. We like do text only, so then it's mm-hmm. like role play heavy. I mean, I'm just trying to think. Like, I, remember, I mean, did someone uh, Ragnarok? Uh, oh, go on. I remember you and Rainbow right. were playing um, Second Life for a while. I know those stories. Oh, I not... played the shit out of Second Life. There was some role play in Second Life. Sure, Most as of those that game was. That was pretty fun. That was pretty PG fun, though. Going, podcast, going around with sure. them. <laughs> right, we had fun. What, right, what are you talking about? We're always G-rated. Always for the kids. Come on. All right. I mean, for for you guys that missed a small story, I was on Second Life and I met. I went to a strip club, right? People were role playing, like, and there was a stripper who heard my voice in game. Is like, holy shit, is that Omer? And it was a girl. I'm like, holy shit. What are the odds that some random stripper in Second Life recognizes who I am? And then we became friends since then. And I've gotten a bunch of cute Snapchat pictures from her. Yeah, oh, we yeah. know this one. <laughs> All right, let's move on. That's that's a good. But wait, before simple, how we get more wait, personal. Before, how, I, I, how I like Second Life. How important do you think role playing is? If 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 an MMORPG doesn't have a role playing community, I I personally think it's a deal breaker. I think it's kind of like a thing on the side where you want to let like people that want to do it give them the tools to enjoy it. But I don't think it's gonna make or break a game at all. No, it's it depends on who. Like for for me, it's like a big deal. So like that like reduces a lot of enjoyment for me. But I'm not trying to push that onto other people. Like yeah. I think I don't think developers should focus on it because I. Even though I like to RP, I understand that the roleplay community is a niche, and like most of roleplay happens on like forums and message boards anyway. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's not yeah. something that developers should specifically mm-hmm. uh, put resources into unless they they like there's a lot of demand for it in that specific game. But exactly. So like for like a mainstream game, I mean, you know, like World of Warcraft, I mean. I think having like them adding RP servers is like a nice gesture, but like that's it, yeah. That's the extent what they can do. I mean, and in general, as long as you have like nice things that like non-RPers like, like non-RPers still like housing, they still like furniture, they still like having things to do, like aside from fighting, right? If you add those, the RP people will just naturally like you know they'll just come and they'll they'll enjoy that, and that's enough, I think. Yep. Yep. That's agreed. Just give yeah. them the tools. Just make fun tool gameplay tools, and the RPs will just do their own thing with them. Yeah, Mind Over Nine Thousand says, uh, "Give them an RP channel." I don't even think that's necessary. Like, why stop there? Give people the ability to make channels, and then you don't even mm-hmm. have to make an RP channel. Yeah, that's fair. People yeah, will I, make their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. Um, I don't think it's totally important, but I think that having an RP community is a testament to like how strong the world building is in a game or how strong that like too, yeah. the story or something is. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Right. A lot of these Korean grinders, it's hard to like want to role play in them because the worlds are so inconsequential and like 
no one cares, right? So <laughs> certain games, like, you know, WoW has a great lore, so it's easy to roleplay in that world or want to roleplay in that world. That's fair. And then as far as RP channels go, uh, it's it's not quite the same thing, but I remember when they added a roleplay channel and the light blue text to, um, what was it, Black Desert. I remember our entire guild was mad because we weren't going to be able to, like, laugh at it without specifically having that channel on all the time. <laughs> Because it was off by default. I, th I think from there we can take to our uh, what game we played this last week, and I think we should talk about uh, Dungeon Fighter Online because we did uh, end up playing that for Sunday Fun Day. Who was awesome, that, guys? Uh... Honestly, sure, have you never played? I think played it before? we all liked it more no. than we thought we would. I don't like it. You don't. Like you don't it? like it. No. All right, tell us why. It's the same reason I don't like Black Desert. It's you play as an archetype rather than your own character. Oh yes, that's true. That's true. It's very streamlined in that sense. It's a character. I'm, I'm, that's game. like a that's like a deal breaker for me. It's like so hard for me to play a game that has that. Overwatch. I, uh, Over oh, there you Overwatch, go. It's not an Overwatch is not an MMO yeah, though. Yeah. It's not an MMO. Oh, it's not an MMO. It's, okay, okay. Excuse me. It's not an MMO RPG. So I don't play Overwatch. Oh, actually, you know, I did do that in Overwatch one time. I played um, I played Anna and there was a Farad. I was like calling her my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> she even role play in Overwatch. <laughs> I did it as a joke, though. It wasn't, like, serious. <laughs> That's fair. But I think um, one thing that really, like, stuck with me after DFO, and I'm, I'm, I've been recognizing for a long time, that was the... We brought this topic up before, so I don't want to get too much to do, but difficulty in MMORPGs, it does seem like so many of these games have gotten so streamlined that the early experience becomes so, like, formulated. Because, again, I, most recently, the two games I played most, most recently are DFO now and Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, and in Final Fantasy XIV, you don't have that same sense of, like, you're face-rolling everything. Whereas people have left in the comments saying, listen, you're going to face-roll everything until you get to level 50, and that's when the game actually starts picking up. Until you get to, like, you know, higher level, you just you just face-roll the content. And Final Fantasy XIV is, like, almost exact contrast. You, it's slower-paced. You take the world in. But do you think this, this, this streamline that we've seen in DFO is a good thing? No. Yes. No. It, it leaves a bad first impression, like, big time. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, I had more fun with it last few times I played it because I was on my own. Like, when I played with you guys, I said it a few times during the stream, but I literally did nothing for most of the maps. <laughs> like, every time that I would try to kill something, like, the charge-up on my skills for that class took so long that you guys would have killed it by the time I got there. I got a D <laughs> in one of the maps because I couldn't hit anything. Did so, <laughs> I, I gave up and just was talking and basically mindlessly moving through the zones and like beating up scenery hoping that i get points out of it after some point yeah uh i think what they did now is like they just took the path of least resistance they did clean up some of the content like i remember when i first played it when it launched in the west um you know the maps were different than they are now like there was this, this really long like forest area where you kill goblins and stuff so i didn't see that this time so the maps did change since when i played um but they, what they have to do, and which I doubt they will because the Western market is so small for them, is they mm -hmm. need to cut, the basically from 1 to 20, they have to cut 80% of the content and make the remaining 20% just level faster. So you get, so you can get to 20 in like 20 minutes rather than an hour or two hours. Um, so they want I, people, I, I want people to progress level 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, but it should, it should go faster. And that way you can get to the challenging part faster. I, I think you're alone in thinking that. I think most people are going to want the... Um content to just be more challenging rather than go faster like i one of the biggest complaints i see about korean mmos and every like english is a 
like English primary language first or ah in every English primary language forum, the biggest one of the biggest complaints I see about Korean MMOs is how fast you level. Like a lot of people don't like that you level that fast and getting to twenty in like thirty minutes is gonna be like a huge deal breaker for a lot of people. True. But I'm uh, I'm I'm working off the assumption that the game does get harder at higher levels. And I'm also working off the assumption that it's too late for such an old game to to, to completely rebalance the early game, right? Um, which oh yeah, ideally yeah, that's the reason they would rebalance everything and make the whole new experience challenging and new and unique and refreshing. But that's not gonna that's to be realistic. That's not gonna happen. Um, so they should just cut as much of that early content as they can and get you to the challenging content as soon as possible. Also, Matt, let's say uh, somebody who played DFO, let's say from the get go, right? From, let's say on the the Korean version, it's been uninterrupted, still running, right? So let's say they progress the max level and they kept the difficulty the exact same. So like. They added so much content to DFO over the years. I mean, the game's been out for like over 10 years. They've added so much content that unless you started playing early on, if they kept the difficulty and pacing the exact same, it may not be fair for newcomers because then they literally have no chance of experiencing that game content because they have to sink so many X number of hours. And I think that's their logic behind it. Because you can't expect new players to have compete against people who spent 10 years if the pacing hasn't changed at all. That's kind of a fallacious argument, though, because you're asking new players to not experience it the way it was originally intended to be experienced. Well, clearly, this is a decision that the developers have also made already with DFO. With no, DFO, I know, but, with but WoW, the argument that you should make it easier just so new players can catch up is kind of fallacious. No, I'm saying that's their argument. That's the argument. I mean, I, I think you should just cut that content out straight up. If, if you're going to do that, cut the content out straight out. And speaking of cut content, wow, level 100, you start... With the new expansion, I think it's that's the least bad option they have. Rather than rework all the content, shrink the zones, cut the zone, old zones, um, this is like the least bad. Just plop you here, experience the content, the new con the way it's supposed to be experienced. At the cost of not knowing any of the story, though. True, but again, yes. least bad. Yeah. Least bad. From what least I hear, bad. Uh, wow has gotten a little bit complicated, and I don't know how complicated, but a little bit. At this point, they should just make an alternative universe for Wow, right? <laughs> Like, the world just falls into, like, a blender and just shoots out a different dimension. <laughs> there you go. Problem solved. Story issues solved. I mean, at first, I think we all had that initial, like... I think, was Wild the first MMORPG to just sell max-level characters, like, very high-level characters? If not, I, th I think... I we doubt all had, it. But doubt we all it. had this initial skepticism, right? Yeah. We've all had this initial skepticism, like, is a bad idea. But honestly, having played through the WoW early content with Mr. of Pandaria, getting to level, mm -hmm. what, 85 or 90, whatever it was... Again, one. To, I, I did all that needless content, which is super easy and, and mind-numbing. It's actually, I'd have been happier if I just started at the higher level, at least like level eighty or something. And then I can get the last five levels on my own, where the pacing actually made sense. Because once you get to the latest expansion content in WoW, it's paced appropriately because it's designed for that level. It just all the old stuff does get washed out. So I think it is the least bad option, as Altai said. It ends up becoming the least bad option. Does anybody have any like a more elegant solution for this? Put high-level content mixed in with low-level content so that the world always feels full. Yeah, that, that could work too. I mean, I think one suggestion I read online was have moments in a game like DFO, for example. Like One thing you could have changed was during the quest, right? You could still have the exact same, but have it every four levels, like four stages you go through in DFO. Have one level that requires like you to actually stop and literally think about all your moves. So you're, you're still required to learn the game where everything else is still fast. So imagine like after our fifth mission, sixth mission, we're, we're face rolling everything. We're not even thinking. And then we hit that sixth mission. It's like, holy shit, we just wiped because we didn't think about it. We just rolled in and died. So we did, at that moment, we have to stop, equip all our optimal gear, look at our skills, read over our skills, and learn how to play our classes. Had the game done that, 
and it doesn't do that all the time. Just every like six levels, every seven levels, every seven dungeons. I think we'd have appreciated the game a lot more because we would have actually learned the game more too. I think a lot of people would get pissed about difficulty spikes and then it's spiking back down right after. But, but yeah, look at the alternative. Yeah. We're okay. face rolling the game. You know something that uh, Matt said something about like, was it again adding, adding high level content into low? Mm. Yeah, um, Final Fantasy tried to do that. I mean, they they didn't do it correctly in my opinion, but they did add like the Atmos. You know about that, Matt? Which one is this? Eleven or fourteen? We're talking fourteen. About? Fourteen. Oh, they added I, like. I wasn't around for most of it. Okay, what they did was um, there's these things called fates. I'm sure Omer knows what they are. They're like these. You know what fates are? They're they're randomly um, random events that occur that like automatically adds you to the quest and then These everyone dynamic quest yeah. So um, what they did was they created this thing called Atmas and it, it was it was pretty shit. But I mean it's kind of what you're talking about. It's Atmas make it so that high level players want to go to the lower level zones and then do the fates there. So you have like these giant like hordes of like high level people. And then there's low-level people sprinkled in that are actually trying to do their own quest. Mm -hmm. And that's how they artificially, like, forced... Blended like, it in. Blended it in, yeah. And it mm -hmm. ended up being, like, the biggest grind. It was fucking terrible. But <laughs> they, they tried. And I guess, like, that's just an example of something that Matt... Um, that's My issue was the face rolling in DFO because like the level of face rolling that we all expect. Until, the game is you know it picks up. Everyone says once you level fifty, it, you have to actually think about your moves, about your gear, your skill builds, and you kind of have to focus a little bit. But the face rolling is what does turn me off though, because I wasn't face rolling in FF14 early on, but that's because the game is still relatively new. I have no doubt in five years when all the content in FF14 now is like super dated, we're gonna face roll through FF14 as well, and the game like really picks up at level fifty sixty. Well, the the thing is is in Final Fantasy, like, even with high gear, like, you still have a lot of, um, you know, dungeons and stuff that can still be lethal. So, I think if they were to increase the EXP track, but still have instances that were still lethal, I think that yeah. would be a good compromise. Like That was my solution. Yeah, five, exactly. Dungeons, you have that level that requires actual coordination. Just thinking. Every dungeon, like, there should just be, like, two ways to level. Like, you can either solo it up and, like, you know, have a boring boring time, or you can mm -hmm. group up and actually challenge yourself, and, you know, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter if uh, yeah. one is faster than the other. People will still go to what they want to do. Some people want that mindless grind, and some people... Depends what you're feeling like on that day, right? I'm sure you have days yeah. where you want to mindlessly grind, and then you have days you want to be a little bit more active. So I, th mm -hmm. I think that's a good solution. I just don't like the current solution developers have done. I think I'm not the only one, because again, there, there was a thread recently in RMRPG that's uh, the, the importance of difficulty in MRPGs, where the guys essentially complain that games have become so facial easy nowadays, and it seems to be something that's um, it's something that's repeated a lot. So I, I don't think it's just us that feel this way, but. No one seemed yeah. to figure out a good solution to it yet on the developer side. And I'm not saying we, we have all the answers. This could be an, our, our solution could suck too. So I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer over there either. But right. other than that, I think DFO was still pretty fun. Yeah, to bring it back to DFO, with all the faults or whatever with the with the face yeah. rolling, uh, I had a good time. I had, I had more fun with it than I thought I would. Um, and honestly, as a as a new player, I, even though this wasn't perfect, this was still better. I thought than the initial new player experience back when it was first came out because 
I'm okay with slow leveling, right? But in the initial DFO, you literally play the same maps, the same That's background, true. and the same enemies for like 10 hours to get anywhere. Like, it was too much repetition, right? So they, uh, And I do see myself maybe playing this one again. I don't know if you guys would yeah. be interested sometime in the future. Um, besides that, I, what else? Oh, I had fun playing solo because it was a little more challenging too. It was yeah. good, but it was too easy. But yeah, solo was fun. Solo was a little slower. Uh, it wasn't any harder, though, to be honest. Uh, it was slower. A little bit harder for me. I died like once or twice. Because you didn't know about those items you get, right? Yeah, like, yeah, okay. yeah, so, but still. So basically, mm -hmm. for those watching, uh, what if you do know MapleStory, they kind of did the same thing. Like Think of it like pre and post Big Bang with DFO in terms of like ease of leveling, uh, ease of content. Basically, you get all the super gear at level 15 you can equip, and then it's just like it's better than anything you can get at that level, uh, and you just face mm -hmm. roll with it. So if you want to face roll, beat up some mobs, give uh, DFO a try. It's on Steam now. It's relatively new still on Steam, right? Yeah. And something I actually mentioned too, all the Steam numbers are actually basically all new players. Because you, the game integrates these Steam accounts. So you can't log in. Existing players can't play their characters through Steam. So basically the 2,000 players we saw online last time concurrent shows that new players are jumping the DFO because of Steam. So the numbers are actually quite good. to have that many new players just jumping on the game. We'll see how that does over the... Because it's still, like I said, new on Steam. So we'll see mm -hmm. the retention rate over time. All right. We got to transition to a pretty... Uh, I guess we'll do, uh, it'll be our first controversy because it's going to be Black Desert Online again. Kakao Games managed to get themselves in the spotlight again. I know we talked, I think, two weeks ago that they lied about you know previous um, previous issues. And now it seems to be that they found themselves caught in another lie of sorts. Uh, basically, for you guys that are unaware, they actually said they were going to release all the Awakenings in Black Desert Online all at once. And there was a rationale behind it. They actually said the reason we're not going to release them right away is because we want to release them all at once. And it's because and the reason behind it was they wanted to ensure PvE and PvP balance. So basically, your, your progressions for your, your classes. Okay. And nowadays, we normal. and then they, it seems normal. But now they kind of did a, a 180 and they said, about all that, no, we're going to release them one at a time now. I don't get why companies do this. Like, just don't promise anything. Just don't just, say anything. Just yeah. Don't just don't well, say anything. Or, or here's a concept. Here's a concept. If you're gonna say something and you're gonna fuck it up, then make a post and say this is why we did this, and like, at least say something. You know, don't just be like, "Hey guys, you changed your mind," and then like don't explain it. You know, like. Well, they never actually promised it. What they had said is that they wanted to do them all at once because there were going to be PvP balance issues because Awakenings, I guess, have a lot more power mm -hmm. than, like, they just let on by this. And, I mean, it's it's so weird to me that they have so much more power. If you want to keep the old weapon that your class have had and you'd like the playstyle that, I think you should be able to because, like, the mm -hmm. Tamer, for example, goes from this little short sword to, like, a bow staff. And I'm sitting there thinking... Mm -hmm. What if you don't want the bow staff? You know what I mean? But um, basically what happened was, what people were, think happened at least, is that Pearl Abyss had a huge part in this, and they wanted them released one by one. And Cacao Games' solution was to release them weekly or bi-weekly to make up for the fact that they're not going one by one. But there are two problems. One, why was it delayed this long? if this was going to happen anyways, because it was delayed originally, allegedly, because they wanted to have them all at yeah. once, and they couldn't do it at the time, which they kind of couldn't do it at the time, because at the time they had pr promised that not all of them had been released. And then the other problem is, 
but weekly or bi-weekly still means that some of the awakenings won't be out for six months so yeah. some classes are going to be disadvantaged for six months wow that's ridiculous dude so okay i'm not really sure the suspension stuff works you, you did mention the weapon change yeah. but is it would it be fair to say it's like adding like a third class advancement for one class but not the rest is that is that accurate or no it's kind of like a class advancement, yeah. but uh, it, it's an increase. It's an increase in power, and you get a different weapon. That's so weird that they would release for one class before the others. Is that well? That's how they did it in Korea because they did them one at a time, and they were months apart in Korea. But, but what's but... the rationale? Like just does just content drip or something? Or I don't I don't get it. Like I I don't know. Does that totally I... ruin like guild PvP, regular PvP? Yes, it does. Yes, and. My favorite issue. comment was, my favorite comment was, uh, Kakao goes, we want to release them all at once. Pearl Abyss goes, well, if you release them all at once, it'll be $10,000. If you release them one by one, it'll be $9,999. And then Pearl, or then Kakao goes, okay, we'll release them one by one. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it makes no sense. I, that is really weird. And they they have said before that they wanted to release them for that reason to make them more balanced. Mm -hmm. And now this on top of the the cash shop issues we had two weeks ago with being able to buy a uh, cash shop goods and sell in the auction house to get in game silver, which is essentially power. So there was a pay to win issues. The problem with this now and the previous issue is people are left wondering why is this game buy to play? Wasn't the initial reason for making this buy to play was we're not going to have any of that pay to win stuff and that we're going to have like more balance and more thought out into the content release schedules and stuff. People thought they were buying into a game that was under this specific business model. And now it's almost like they do feel, some people do feel betrayed. Again, he or some people, suckered. some people. He's got suckered. Well, okay. People got suckered. Even, even, okay, I'm just saying, I called this, I called yeah. this game, uh, I called this game when it first came out. Well, basically <laughs> what I think happened is Cacao Games Europe is, uh, um, it's a subsidiary, obviously. And, I guess they didn't have as much pull, and I think they got a shit deal on their contracts where they wanted to do all this, and Prolobus is just like, no, 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 we don't have to do this, so just do it. Right. Is before we you know is Cacao Games a subsidiary of Prolobus? Do we know that? No, not of Prolobus. It's a subsidiary of, of Dom Cacao. Games. Yeah. All right now, it was is Dom Games have any affiliation with uh, besides just the publishing agreement? Do they are they owned by Prolobus or no? No, no. Okay. I, I just think publisher. they got a shit yeah. contract okay. for the European version. That's that's my uh, my guess, you know. Mm -hmm. Try to see if there's any relation between them. Uh, not other than Kakao also publishes uh, Black Desert in Korea. Mm -hmm. But obviously the developers pull too, and both I mean both. It just yeah, seems so weird they would do this. It would just, just seem so I, weird that this ends up happening like this. And I do want to say, too, like, I mean, some people have said it's not a big deal. And I think you can still enjoy yeah. Black Desert Online completely fine with all these changes, right? I mean, a lot of people, I think most players, aren't even concerned with this stuff. I think most of us playing the game, uh, grinding, having fun with their friends. Uh, I think it is unfair, and it does kind of give you a slap in the face that you lose trust in the developer and the publisher to be treated this way. But the direct impact on most players is still going to be negligible. It's just, it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth for them to pull a move like this. Well, I, I think you're, it's also um, underplayed how many people took part in playing Black Desert Korea, Black Desert Japan, Black Desert mm -hmm. Russia, and then moved to the NAEU version. So even though it's like, it kind of sucks that we, they got some of these features in the NAEU version anyways, it's just, 
it doesn't matter because they dealt with worse in the other regions. You know, they didn't have the limit on the market sales, and they also had a. I th think they were notorious for having hackers in the Russian version. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just that they had to deal with worse. So a lot of them are just like whatever, probably. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh the first one is the first awakening though. If you're still playing BDO and want want to check it out, is going to be on August 31st along with the Valencia Part Two update. And it's going to be for the warrior to get the great sword. So that's Fucking that's warriors. And, and warriors one, get and one first. More, one more defense here. If you're just a casual player, you're not looking for the late game PvP. You just want if you can find like yeah. a you know if you can, you know you're bored. I think the game is still like what twenty bucks for the base game BDO. Thirty. 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 Okay, maybe wait till it's a little cheaper or try it on a friend's account or something. But it's not a bad twenty thirty dollar game to play for like. No, 10 20 30 40 hours calling you're, it. going you're gonna play. get you're gonna get your money's yeah. worth out of it it's just yeah i i doubt you're gonna play out beyond 50 like most people are probably gonna hit 50 realize what the grind is gonna take and they're just gonna be done with it at that point but up to that point you're gonna get plenty of money's worth out of it you know yeah, yeah. guys i'm ready to double down on my bet it's going free to play in uh six months or less now i think i said a year last time six months or less now yeah, it yeah. seems like, I mean, it seems like Pearl Abyss is going hard on that, mm -hmm. making it like the other regions. I mean, no. it seems like what happened was they hired a whole new staff that lived in Europe mm -hmm. to work on the European version and westernize it. And now the publisher had all this goodwill and the developer just wants to throw it out the window because they want it just like the other versions. No, I I'm not ready to just condemn the developer. I think the publisher has control over here, too. I mean... The publisher has the right to, to monetize the game, typically, yeah, how, I mean, they, how they that's want. That's just what it sounds like. And I mean, in some of their statements, some of the community managers have been like, well, Pearl Abyss wanted it. We talked with them, and they wanted it like this. That's, that, that, that's so said. easy in the past to blame to somebody else, a mysterious Korean company that we can't complain to, you know? that The way I see it is, look, the guys at Kakao Games, they made a lot of money on the game. They sold millions of dollars worth of copies of the game, and they, they made a killing. And they realized, wait a minute, okay, now that you know we're by to play, the initial sales are trickling down. We sold like 200 plus thousand copies and the sales are going down. We got to sell some more stuff in the cash out to make money because we're not making as much money as we used to. And then they started doing the pay to, some of the quote unquote pay to win stuff to make more money. And they want to extend the life of their content with these, uh, with the awakening content stuff. I think it's purely a monetization issue and the publisher just wants to make more money. That's that's the way. That that's my estimate of what's going on. I'm not, I'm not ready to blame Pearl Abyss. I think they want to make money. Well, the, the the way I see it, they're making a decent amount of money. They publish it in two regions, and they're not just gonna like throw away their chance at a contract renewal just because of wanting to blame it on someone else. You know what I mean? But to blame it on somebody else, like it, that goes unchallenged because nobody's gonna find out if Kakao Games does it because they're a Korean company and we're all pitching in America. But they could. Yeah. It's it's their game that they're keeping an eye on. All right. All right. I'll tell you okay. what you're gonna say. All right. So, well, I, I, I'm a big, you know, like stats guy. Like, I just love looking at like random charts and stats. We know. Okay. <laughs> so here's my uh, here's this ranking of the Korean top Korean MMORPGs by popularity. Like, it updates pretty regularly. Mm -hmm. Number one, obviously, is still Lineage, but interestingly, Black Desert Online has actually moved up the charts. It's still nowhere. Like, it's not good, right? It's number 32 in the MMORPG category. So it's still below Uncharted Waters Online. It's below okay. the original Ragnarok. It's Wait, it's below Uncharted Waters? What? That's doing well? No, no, no. It's, that's 31. 31 is not good, right? So uh, Hold on. Okay, hold I was going to say, like, what? Is that, is that data based only on the netcafes? Or is it based on uh, I don't like something know. else? I don't know. Because somebody made a rebuttal to that claim about BDO not doing great in Korea. He linked a, a different source saying it was, like, number 8 or number 10. 
And that was based on some other set of data. So, I mean, we're not ready to call it, you know, on that chart you're looking yeah, at, you're right. It's, fair enough. Yeah. So whatever, enough. whatever, yeah. metric they're, whatever metric they're yes. uh, covering, you know, it has moved up. So it's still good news for BDO. Mm-hmm. Um, some of these translations are hilarious. Like whatever Furin Kazan is. <laughs> and then uh, Tree of Years. I like Tree of Years. Yeah. Tree of Years. I think the Chinese translation was like Eternal Tree or something. So mm-hmm. it, the translation is always fun. Eternal tree sounds better than tree of years. I mean, what? there is some validity to this chart because we do know lineage is number one, right? We don't people start Guys, look, big. We know- look at number eight. Look at number eight for a moment. Has anyone here played Hero Online? This is literally the definition of generic. I challenge you to go on NetGame. It's still published in America and Europe, and it's called Hero Online. This was I played this ages ago, and I'm like, why would anybody play this game? It's so generic. But then we look on this list, and it's number. It's making all this money. It's making more money than Terra in Korea. Really? It's this, this, oh my god, how is this possible? Right, I like this translation, not Future War Online. So, guys, whatever what? it is, it's not Future War Online, alright? What is that EM over there? Is that supposed to be Netmarble? I don't know. Producer... That's Hero Online. Don't they publish it in Korea, too? Why don't we click it? It's M-game, M-game. So, EM stands for M-game. All right, let's, somebody asked, where's DFO in that chart? Can you scroll through, you can find it? Oh, right. M-Game is part of um, NetGame's platform, I think. Yeah. I don't I actually so. see the dungeon. Again, again that, that, that's a, it could be DNF or something. But again, that, that shows you the that chart may not necessarily be perfectly perfect representation of what's oh, going no, no, on. No, no, here's why, here's why. Dungeon, dungeon and Fighter is actually number four. See, this is, this is an MMORPG category. See, in, in Korea, yes. they don't have Dungeon Fighter as... As an MMORPG, MMORPG yeah. for whatever reason. So it is number. It's online games weekly top ten. So Dungeon and Fighter is number four, which which just below Lineage and above Maple Story. So on this Maple Story is number two. So what they're doing here is they're not classifying Dungeon Fighter as an MMORPG. It's probably in the same category okay. as a game like Diablo three, which is number nine overall, uh, which would put it above Blade and Soul. So that, that that's the reason. Just classification issues. That's fair. That's fair. So wait, where's Overwatch? It's nowhere now. Overwatch even in the top ten. Yeah, we're looking at the this MMORPG list over there. Yeah, but over there, it's not even in the top ten. Let's find out. Interesting. Yeah, if you look again, this we're not sure where these is. It game metrics? No, no, it's not game All metrics. Right. Game that metrics. Example, it. Yeah, game metrics has everyone has is measuring like how much people are playing the game, not necessarily how much money they're making or anything. How much they're playing the game based on net cafe surveys and numbers. And in net cafes, uh, Overwatch is still number one in Korea. In fact. Now, it was not just uh, game metrics. It was actually cited by Blizzard themselves, saying we are the most played game in Korean net cafes in their latest earnings report. So, their uh, their popularity is being you know boasted everywhere now. But it, it's interesting. Look at the numbers now. Look how close it is. I, was I remember say that. It was, the Overwatch yeah. falling. It used to be over thirty. Yeah, it's falling. The uh, league is crawling back up. Yeah. yeah. The uh, it's it's probably because the season's done. That's probably why. Maybe yeah. That's a good point. There's like no reason to play it right now, really. It's 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 pretty weak right now. Overwatch. That's fair. Well, Speaking there's no reason seasons, to play competitive. That's a that's a good piece of news to discuss. You know, Overwatch is still big. I know Shu, you're into it. Omar's really been into it. When when the rank mm-hmm. is out, so season season one is over. Um, just like League, depending on how far you got, you got certain rewards, and why you can brag yep. about your little golden gun. And tell us a little bit about what's new in season two besides the map that we talked about last week. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm I played. If, you get season rewards kind of like you do in League, where the highest rating you've achieved, you get a certain number of CP. I like the word CP, but it's competitive points. I think if wow. you're 65, you, had, you get 300 CP, which gives you enough to buy a, a golden gun. 
I, I had 67 peak CP, so I got a free golden gun for that. And basically, they're making a lot of changes for uh, for next rank for next season based on um. Basically, they said that the whole one to one hundred thing was kind of um. It didn't allow players to feel like they progressed. Was so they it visceral? It wasn't. There you go, shoot. It wasn't visceral. <laughs> and I actually predicted this since the day ranked came out. I said, why would they do one to one hundred? There's no sense of progression there, and that was correct because now that they're going to make it, I think a thousand to five thousand. So now yeah. the range is much bigger. So you won't be gaining like one tenth of a level or like seven percent of a level. No, you'll always gain some actual units of the numbers. You know, full whole numbers. And it's just going to be, and it's also going to be broken down to silver, bronze, silver, gold, platinum, diamond, and masters. So they're going to have like the numbers will actually mean something. Before you could say I'm like a, I think what the designer said in the Overwatch video, he specifically said. If you tell somebody like I'm a 60 player, that has like no context, right? And it doesn't even sound that good. Like I got 60 it on the test. Sounds bad, yeah. Yeah, I failed the test. I got a 60. But he's like, if you get 60, you're top 10%. You're like a really good Overwatch player if you get 60. But it wasn't, it wasn't like Sorry about that. transmitted pretty well. So that's the reason behind those changes. They made some balance changes and stuff too. Genji got nerfed, thankfully, after that guy. And uh, that's they had a new map, and they're doing a bunch of other other subtle changes as well. They wanted to prevent people from queuing up with high-level players and all that jazz. Did you guys see the new short to have? The Bastion. The last Bastion. That was so good. That was really good. It was so cute. I don't want to play still it here. I haven't because, watched any of them. Yeah, I don't want to play it here because you guys aren't going to see like the audio or yeah. anything. You got to just watch on your own. Um, Overwatch is like these little cute intros for all the characters. It kind of reminds... It's like a more serious version of what Steam did or Valve did with the TF2 characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they, they're all pretty nice. I mean, the soldier one sucked. I know soldier's my brother's favorite hero. The soldier one I thought wasn't really impactful, but the, all the other ones I felt were pretty pretty well done. All right, uh, I think we should take this to the interesting league discussion too, because we just mentioned competitive stuff. All right, let's do it. And Link, all right. I'm gonna drop out for a while. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it, it's it's just really drama. It's not specifically to the game, so I think we can all throw some. Did good discussion. did you want to talk about the? Season two changes later for Overwatch, or we, we did. Them? Oh, oh, you can sure. No, I mean like the actual changes. Oh, go ahead. Sure if you have, if, ahead. You have some, if you have some info. Oh uh, well, they're um they're going to be addressing a lot of issues that uh, people had in the first season, especially with uh, tanks getting completely destroyed by Zenyatta. So it's gonna be Zenyatta nerfs, Genji nerfs, mm -hmm. and then a couple characters are getting buffed: uh, May and Mercy. So that's. Pretty much what a lot of people asked for, so I guess they do listen over at Blizzard. Sometimes they listen. Sometimes. And even the 60 tick rate thing was fixed, and no one can bitch about that now. The tick rate Dude, issue, that they, was they the raised biggest, it. That was the biggest cop-out in the game. It was like, oh, I fucking got wrecked. It must have been because of 20 no. tick rate. That's why I died. No, no, no. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. <laughs> it was like the best. Hold up. I, I never complained about it because everyone has it, right? The tick thing? Yeah. So I never complained like unfair, but it did feel like, it did feel unresponsive to me. Yes, when I first started playing, I was like, "What's?" And I, here's what I did, and I never do this because I have a good computer. I minimized and I turned everything off, like I had running. Like I turned flux off. I never turned flux off, but I turned flux off for Overwatch because I thought something was lagging me. And then I read later that it was just, you know, the game was just lagging. Right. Um, and I, I'm really glad that's fixed. That makes it a lot easier. It just, just feels nicer. So that's that's nice. Yeah. I care more about that than any balance fixes or maps or whatever. Well, buff, buff soldier. That's what we need. All right, All right but let's now let's, let's take on. it to the league because it's pretty interesting. She, she was actually linked me this. I, I didn't hear about this drama until uh, she linked it to me, and it's. Shoot, you wanna you wanna take it? You said you you know you you read quite a bit about it too. 
Or, or I can just um, lay down the framework. You can lay down the framework, I can comment. Okay. Uh, the framework essentially is that Reginald, one of the the owner of Team Solomid, apparently there was a, people were talking about the issues surrounding uh, surrounding the financial health of players, and um, it and Trindamir actually commented on a almost unrelated post on Reddit about League of Legends where he kind of just chimed in, and he's he's again the co-founder of Riot Games. It's the most successful, like it's the most highest revenue generating PC game in the world, and he jumps in basically saying that if Reggie is so concerned about financial health of his players. Maybe he should spend some of the millions he has made and that he continues to make from League of Legends on paying them instead of investing in other esports where he's losing money. So he's basically kind of singling out Reginald, who has been very successful in his uh, running TSM. I mean, TSM is one of the most uh, world-renowned almost in esports. Like he's a very recognizable name in esports because of, of Reginald pushing it and the team being awesome. People they have a lot of fans. So it's kind of weird that we saw we see a, a guy like Trindamir who is, he, in terms of like status, Trindamir is... He's a multi He's a hundred plus millionaire, probably more at this point, because he's got the very successful company, and he's signaling out one owner, one team owner, for apparently shortchanging his players or taking care of his players some more, and it almost feels like it came, comes out of left field. So this kind of almost brings up a discussion of like, well, how should teams handle this issue of financial stability for players as well? Because I think that is actually a pretty big issue too, because there's a huge power dynamic between players and owners, and in many cases, the players are actually very, they have so little power. Compared to the owners, and that's that's the premise of the issue. What do you guys think? My take. Um, I'm gonna approach it from a purely like esports perspective rather than the you know fine tuning of league because I don't really play league much. I think league mm-hmm. was ahead of Dota in terms of organizing esports, right? So they had the LCS, and then Dota copied that with like, their whole quarterly thing. And I think this was the wrong place for Trindamir Trim- to make this comment. He should have worded it uh, as like an official riot blog post, not and not targeting um, specifically any one person. Yeah. yeah. What they should have done is this, and I think it's in the future of, of of esports for league and Dota and whatever. You're gonna have regional teams like the like the San Francisco Strikers or whatever, right? And then it's gonna be more like a franchise and consistent teams because right now it's too loose and it's Trinamir and Riot are investing all this money into um, esports, right? And I think too much of it, they feel, is going to unloyal people like TSM. Because TSM has no reason, has no loyalty to Riot. They can make websites. They can make teams for other games. Um, so it, it's, just, it's just a matter of control. And I think Riot is realizing that it's better to have full control rather than just rely on this loose agreements with you know owners like um, Reginald. All right. Um, well... Of course, like, I'm a little bit biased because I like Riot, so I don't really want to, like, go too hard on the issue. But um, from what I read, a lot, of, a lot of people are saying that the statement was unfair, um, mostly because, um, this is, again, just what I read, the uh, players and the teams don't actually make that much off of um the LCS, mm-hmm. it's it's vastly exaggerated in the post. This is according to um, casters, like casters that cast, um, you know, competitive uh, esports. And um, one of the issues that came up, I don't exactly remember when it was, but it was it's, it's in recent history, is that um, Riot was. Uh, do you remember this one where they were um, mm-hmm. criticized for um, underpaying casters? Okay. Do, do, do you remember that or uh, no, no, no? Okay, so so 
the gist of it is that they were criticized for underpaying casters like compared to like uh CSGO for example and Dota and um so they're saying like wait like you guys are underpaying casters you're not willing to up your payment on them and yet you're mm-hmm. criticizing other people for shortchanging players when like if you really like how can you make statements like that when you're guilty of that or worse pretty much so that's like the big controversy around uh riot like I mean, I don't even know. I mean, it was just it was just Trendemir, right? I mean, he is the face of the yeah. company, but you know, people. This is his opinion. I, you know. it, it's his opinion, but I mean, all in all, like he probably shouldn't have said that, just because it's gonna reflect on the company mm-hmm. and it's gonna cause all this drama. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't the that's right, that's it wasn't why the right it it wasn't it, yeah it wasn't the right like channel for it. I agree with that. It's especially it, it's just it's just it's just. The internet and Reddit, it's like no matter what you say, it's like it's gonna be spun like poorly. It's like just. It's worth stop. mentioning. He was downvoted up to hell. There's over a thousand downvotes on that. It doesn't reflect in the screenshot, but it's and it's been th- it's been edited since because clearly he already had regrets of what he posted and he removed some bits of it. This is the original one. He edited it quite a bit since. And and it's like you guys have been mentioning too is um another thing you could criticize them on is like. If you really care so much about the players making so much money, why don't you like subsidize some some stuff like make some skins? You know, like mm-hmm. like you guys were saying, like like you can raise so much money through making skins that give cuts to like players, yeah, like and teams that like. But here's the issue: like I, they they want before they do stuff like that. I think they want more control over the teams directly. Before they start making skins for them. Because a TSM skin today helps TSM the organization, let's say, right? And TSM the organization has is not bound to Riot or League. It can, you know, they have sites. They have, it could be like website. a... They, have, they might have teams for other esports. They do have teams for other esports, yeah. yeah. So Riot doesn't like, want to subsidize that. Like a, uh, like a misrepresentation of like... Yeah, of... not just there's money going... There, if Riot makes like a skin for TSM, right? And like a percent of it goes to TSM and TSM players... Mm-hmm. They are literally subsidizing their competition because TSM has other ventures for in, in other east uh, other sports, uh, other games. I mean, and other mm-hmm. like just like guide sites or whatever, whatever they have going. TSM uh, would be subsidized by Riot if they, if they had made a skin. That's true. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, I mean that 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 is a valid argument as well. Matt, what do you want to say? I was just gonna say I, I don't know what like they're considering a low salary or like shortchanging their players, but I guess. I mean, one of the things to remember is that it's not like an average sport. I mean, there's a company that has to constantly develop and change this game. It's not Mm -hmm. like something like football. And, I mean, esports is new. They don't have, like, you know, different games where the managing entity is constantly just, like, licensing out different players you know what i mean and the players get part of that because their likeness is being licensed out they don't have things like we're just barely seeing esports on tv you know we, we don't have anything from that we don't have a managing entity that belongs that you know presides over each specific sport so to speak we have like esl and stuff but they do multiple ones and there's not really a league that's just for each one you know what i mean that's what Lee, that's what Riot's been trying to do though with LCS. Like they control the entire like production, they control the teams who participates. You know, so Riot has been moving towards more control over the esports scene in their game. 
And I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because yeah, like, fine, yeah. like modern, like the modern way that sports work. I mean, you've got like the NFL that presides over football and they just, because of that, there's a better environment I think than there would be if somebody else had control over it. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't and, make my opinion or my prediction clear earlier, I think this is a, if they're not happy with TSM, which is like there's poster child of like a, of a league team, right? Cause it started as like a league team, right? Yeah. If, if, if Riot's not happy with that, which it seems they're not, I think the next step in my prediction is Riot is going to make X number of teams for each region, like America, let's say 12 teams. They're going <laughs> to own the teams. They're going to say, these are only league teams. You're only allowed to be league teams with these. And then they're either going to partner with companies or sell franchise licenses. And only those teams will play in the LCS. And they're going to be region specific. And I think that salaries that they're concerned about are going to do much better in an environment like that and who knows maybe comments like this could be sowing the seeds for like support of something like that you know maybe this is a calculated move Mm -hmm. in like the vaguest smallest sense just the first time they're pushing like a negative vibe onto someone else to sow the seeds lay the groundwork for an environment where people are more open to it maybe that's what they're doing yep I agree with that. I think so. I'll I'll say it's become more like professional, like like basketball or NBA, MLB, where there's a certain number of teams. They the team that plays like the Heat doesn't play basketball, baseball. You know, they play only basketball. So they're gonna they they want to keep it like that. Clearly, you can tell from the Trinidad's post. He just he doesn't want TSM, which makes all his money off league, investing in other games. He wants to keep the money in league because the league is his company. It's his baby. Mm -hmm. That's his. That's his point of view. It it seems like he has more concerned with the fact that reggie is investing money in other esports than the fact that he's shortchanging his players and not just that imagine tsm selling peripherals like keyboards right with their logo Mm -hmm. that you know that's more money and more things not under riot's control now imagine instead uh, riot makes 12 teams 12 like logos or whatever sells them to like owners and then they all make different keyboards with each logo and they split the cut cut. yeah right it's a cut because this is all based on league you know tsm is based on league so they, just want, they want to exert more control over that, which I don't blame them, and we'll see how it evolves going forward. And of course, there's no con- there's no drama without the other side. And of course, uh, Reginald, about <laughs> three hours ago, he had a massive response to this, uh, basically saying that he uh, he helped pioneer the you know, esports community within the league, even before LCS even took off. TSM was one of the first, you know, they sponsored their own tournaments. So they actually helped, they're saying they helped grow the scene as well. And that he's saying he's talking about you know he's addressing specific issues, saying that he was being too greedy. He's saying that you know uh, player salaries have been stagnant since LCS started, and that since LCS started, player demands have increased exponentially. So they're they're doing more now for less pay, and they're saying the, the LCS stipends which they get paid don't even come close to covering the cost of running the business. And if you look at TSM, like they're making a lot of money from their website, their own brand sponsorships. I don't think Riot's, what Riot pays them directly for their player salaries comes close to all their expenses. But again, we won't know that specifically. But there's a lot more going on behind the scenes just, than just what Riot pays them, though. Because, and they, he made specific issues saying that Riot's been pretty heavily like preventing people, from, preventing teams from getting a sponsor in certain ways. So sponsors can't film during LCS. They have restrictions on what kind of videos they can put up with their sponsors. So they're, they're, they're preventing them from monetizing in other ways, too, to help their players. So they're saying it's, it's a much more complex issue than what, what uh, Trindamir is laying out to be. And I, I, like, this full, uh, I like this full response in the, in the chat if anyone's interested. But it, it, there is some drama going on, some internet drama. 
still think yeah. it's kind of silly for Trindamere to post uh, on Reddit over this issue and call out one player. One team owner, rather, not one player. I, I do want to read this, but not, yeah, not now. Yeah, not now. Um, mm-hmm. So let's, let's quickly move on now to... Yeah. Here's something that I found interesting. So I, we use Discord here at MOs.com, and you know there's a link mm-hmm. below if you guys want to join us. But there is another service similar to Discord, and it's called Curse. Curse was known for a bunch of community websites, add-on, plug-in websites. But they also have... Gamepedia! Like a, like, yep, Gamepedia. <laughs> and they also have a Discord-like chat app, and they were recently bought out by Twitch. So Twitch bought Curse. They bought everything Curse-related, not just the, not just their little... Wow, platform. that homepage well, looks exactly like Discord. Yeah, that interface looks exactly like Discord. If you see on the right side, holy crap! Yeah, right. <laughs> when did that happen? Like, has it always been like this? No, it, m- it must have been new. It? This must be new. Yeah, but and, I wonder and, if that's gonna. Shit. I wonder if it's gonna affect like my earnings because I I get paid from Curse. Really? Well, that's pretty cool. Aww. And here's the thing. Um, the only reason I think Twitch bought Curse is not for like Gamepedia or like their little add-on plugin managers. They bought curse just for this platform this this communication platform because they they want they they see discord as a huge threat to them and uh i was reading about it and apparently Why is discord a threat to twitch i'll explain it so the chat, it makes the, sense the, the, the twitch chat sucks right there's very little you can you're either an admin or you're, you're either a mod or a regular user right so what a lot mm-hmm. of big streamers were doing is they were using the their own discord chat and they're embedding it into the video right into their stream because there you can have different tiers different ranks different channels different chat channels um, infinite emotes in, easy to talk you know jump in infinite emotes and the community was being managed like for the top streamers in discord rather than on twitch itself mm-hmm. and they saw that as a big threat because more time is spent you know when the streamer is not streaming right so like imagine there's like a fan page for one of the big streamers like fan discord they can all go in there and talk rather than on the twitch page or anything mm-hmm. so they, they can well, now they want to integrate the whole thing so they want a community even when people are not streaming and they want to keep it internal Wait, but how is that a threat? Because the streams still have just as much like viewership. Yeah, but if they're using if they're using Discord as the primary means of communicating with the streamer, the but they chat still have to go becomes, through Twitch. Well, they still they're streaming on Twitch, yes, but they're the audience that were that's actively communicating. What makes what makes Twitch an exciting platform for advertisers too is how engaged the viewers are. And if the, if that engagement in terms of communication moves away from Twitch, it hurts them. Yeah, I'm not saying it's, it's threatening the existence of Twitch. It's it threatens the community. I, I'm just Twitch. confused. You know what I mean? Because it, they still have to be on Twitch watching it. You know what I mean? No, no, but so, but, not, but see, Twitch doesn't want to become just a bandwidth provider for, for yeah. Discord. Because imagine, imagine you. But they're not becoming a bandwidth provider for Discord. People are streaming on it. Well, exactly. So you're you're streaming on this on Twitch, right? But everything, all all the talking you do, all the chatting you do, all the chatting your viewers do, all the you know. Interaction. Interaction. All the your viewers have is through Discord chat, which which you then, um, you know, embed into your OBS, right? So that you're streaming Discord, and you're not. And the regular chat is disabled. Let's say. Let's say Twitch chat is disabled. I guess I just don't see the issue. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure that that Twitch makes money off of having chat icons, for example, right? Because I'm yeah. sure they get a cut. But why out use, of, um, but why use Twitch icons when you can just use Discord and just make? That's your what own... I'm saying. But I'm that's, sure that's not. Like I, a I'm agreeing with you. Like I'm sure that's not worth buying curse out over. No, I'm. T- I think the more we look at this and the fact that I see the curse homepage, I'm willing to wager that's the only reason they bought curse. Yeah. To compete. But I just, I, I guess, 
I guess they're, it's less that it's a threat and more that they have bigger ambitions than just yes, that replacing yeah. Discord. Exactly. They don't want to just be a bandwidth provider for video streaming. They want to be a community. Twitch wants to be a community for gamers. I can safely say all the other cursed properties, including Gamepedia, all that stuff, doesn't fit at all into Twitch's you know, vision or ambition. Mm -hmm. They bought this almost strictly for this platform of the, the voice chat, the VoIP provider. Yeah, I can't imagine Twitch cares about Gamepedia at all or any of the other platforms Curse runs. It's it's kind of funny though that they don't they that they would want to replace their chat with something that's more Discord like or with a platform like that because if you think about it they have no comment service they have no way to like leave little notes on like streamers pages they they don't have any of that there's not really a community there it literally is just a video service yeah at this point other than they, that chat they want, so I think they want to expand on that they ha they have a lot more to do than just. Yes. Fix the Discord problem, though. That's kind of, I mean, that's just kind of. I see the threat. The communication is moving away from the, their chat box to a competitor, Discord. And not, not directly, just, just the communication moving away from their platform to somewhere else. They want to control the entire platform. They want to control the whole entire vertical integration from the, from the streaming to the chat to the community. And if they, if they surrender any one of those pillars, they, they're going to hold out to the streaming part because Twitch is Twitch. But if they give up the, the, the chat element, it, it's only a minus for them. And, yeah. they, and they're backed by Amazon. Amazon's a two hundred fifty billion, three hundred billion dollar company. They yeah. can they can toss their weight around. Exactly. Whatever they pay for curves, it, it makes no difference to Amazon's bottom line. And and here's a big question I have. I have personally not used this Discord or this this cursed client. I'm pretty mm -hmm. happy with Discord, but just for the sake of curiosity, after this podcast, I will download it and just just see what it looks. I'm kind of expecting the same thing as Discord, but I guess it's good to know what it looks like and just try it out. Do you guys do you guys think that? Discord is in trouble. I, I don't think so. I don't see like channels or anything, or is, unless they're just under the messages part. But like, well, again, I got I got to play with it. Yeah, I, I think we yeah. should all just take like two minutes to play with it just to see what it looks like. Yeah, afterwards. And Twitch chat mm. is pretty, pretty cancerous. You know, you can control the discussion more, and you can we can reward people that loyal players like more like better time on your own platform, like like Discord. You can give them like chat rights and stuff more yeah. easily. And give different user permissions easily through Discord. Yeah, and, you, or, and think of it I this guess way, through like, Curse. I mentioned it earlier, but it's, I think it's a big deal. On Twitch chat, you only have two types of users, right? You have regular and mods. Mm -hmm. Well, on, on Discord and presumably on Curse, you can you can fine tune permissions, you know, to any degree you want. So that's a and big oh my God, this looks like exactly like Discord. Look, scroll through the Curse page. Oh my God, like every piece of interface I'm seeing, like in the. They totally like copied that design. Yeah, I guess it works, you know. <laughs> oh my god, it's such a. But again, you can't blame them. You know, yeah. <laughs> they want they want to do this. Mm -hmm. But and the, the amount they paid was undisclosed, so no no idea how much they paid. It was. It had to be a amount. lot. They have a huge network. Yeah, I mean, we're talking yeah. obviously in the tens of millions, twenty million, maybe more, right? But their network is that, massive. No yeah. Is that but, video uh, chat? Probably. I mean, they have all those things at the bottom. Do they oh, have video see, chat? Let me see. I mean, you're right, you're right. Let me scroll down to where they're comparing it to, like, Skype. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, they're comparing it to Discord, too, actually. That's interesting. So they claim to... Okay. Uh... I'm just curious, you know. Yeah. Group calls, server calls. But I think if Twitch is pushing curse, not eventually they integrate it, they push it more. I think Discord can be in trouble. Because I think Discord has been awesome, but like, because they've had no real competition. And now the competition is a knockoff, right? But it's a knockoff that's backed by Amazon. 
And I have to reverse, revise what I said earlier. It's actually Amazon, the $360 billion company, not like a $200 billion, my bad, $360 billion company. So now you have a juggernaut literally competing direct with Discord now. So because of that, I mean, they have huge financial power, huge financial muscle. I will say, this is great yeah. for gamers. You know why? Now the race is on between Curse and Twitch and Discord to give us video calling, right? Because mm -hmm. whoever gets that first and does it well, will have a big edge over the other. Better than Skype, please, yeah. Yeah. for the love of the gods. And exactly. <laughs> and then for us gamers, we can finally stop using Skype once they have video chat. I, I hate Skype. Why does Discord's Windows thing have a half circle? Apparently, uh, Discord only works with Windows 7 and later, while the Curse oh. client works with all versions of Windows, so XP, I guess. Mm -hmm. Okay, that makes sense. All right, let's 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 take this to uh, uh, the Shroud of the Avatar bit, because I think Matt wanted to say something, and I thought it was pretty interesting, too. All right, link me up. I linked it to you. Okay, okay so Shroud of the Avatar, I just want to go over this briefly. Uh, they hit 10 million. Like, that's insane. Crowdfunding. For a game that has so much criticism on, um, mm -hmm. like, reddit and steam and everywhere it's just it's being criticized like crazy but they hit 10 million and they raised two hundred thousand during a day-long telethon during which you only had to spend five dollars to get all of the advantages of the telethon as a player you know because you spend five dollars and as they hit different stretch goals you get different items and i mean the people that only spent five dollars just got more swag than the people that are paying a hundred dollars for stuff on the cash shop got so I mean, you tell I mean, me. But everyone got everyone got that. that though, right? Yeah, but it's still insane, you know, like mm -hmm. that much stuff, and um, I don't know. It's just absurd to me that this game has gotten so much money. I don't know why. It just it's absurd. I and think it's absurd too. Yeah. I'm sitting here like, who does telethons? Please. Answer me this. Okay. Who does telethons? To me, Who sells their blood for money? No, listen, to me, this telethon looks like something like they're raising money for charity. But no, they're raising yeah. money for a for-profit game run by a hugely successful I'm... and wealthy uh, developer. Like, yes, and, Richard Gary. They're basically they're raising... begging for money from like poor gamers when they, you know, when Richard Gary has all this money and this game has been in development for years now. They're selling ten thousand dollar plots of land. It seems gimmicky, this whole telethon. You're making $200,000 in a day from this shit. And I'm sitting here wondering how much our local hospital makes during its telethon when it yeah. comes on the radio once a year. It's, it's like, insane. come on. Exactly. Right, now, to, to further paint the point of absurdity for this event, Richard Garriott actually, in 2008, he's the guy behind uh, Shroud the Avatar. He actually ended up selling his blood for more money in the last fundraising round. In 2008, during the peak of the recession, he spent $30 million of his own money for a private tour of the International Space Station. He paid to go to space to see the International Space Station, and he dropped $30 million on this. And this guy's begging us for 200 k It's insulting. They make it write a check for $50 million tomorrow, and everything is funded. Why is he asking gamers for money? And it might have better graphics then. Oh, oh yeah. shots fired! <laughs> But okay. it's the, the, oh. but also you see that bald guy that was on the uh, right a second ago. That guy also sold his blood. Look at the oh face my. of the guy that sold his blood. The face of crazy. <laughs> I, I, I paused the video during like the spinning wheel. So they're really mm -hmm. pulling all those like little gimmicks from like those bake sales or like local like charity <laughs> fundraisers from from you know the goodwill places. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what is this? Like it's and the like, guy earlier was like they were, I think they were doing shots when people got when they got money donated. 
Like, ah. I mean, this is seriously insulting almost. Like, it's yeah. cringy. It's cringy. I don't know about. I'm not. I'm not really insulted because I don't really care. I'm insulted. I'm insulted. Oh. I'm insulted. They're I'm taking insulted. stuff from like regular charity places. Like these are literally straight out of like a charity telethon. Mm-hmm. But they're putting the money towards themselves. It's not even like they're saying, okay, like five percent. You know, just something. Go Throw something at charity. Yes, at you least. Know? It's just like this is all to themselves. Like what the hell? The part how can, that, how the can they sit there with wealthy. a straight face? The founder is super wealthy. That, that's what drives me nuts. If they're like an indie studio, he wants to follow his dream and really raise money for this game. Okay, like that's he, the guy's rich. He's got he spent thirty million dollars going to space. That part doesn't really. Bother He's begging me, me for two hundred k. No, the, even I, I think they're they're racing Star Citizen to be more cringy. At least Star Citizen is just promising you in-game stuff, right? These guys are kind of making it like look like they they're, they're dying from cancer and they need your money. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hey, you don't know they're dying from blood loss from selling all their blood. <laughs> okay, if he sold that much blood, right? <laughs> <laughs> you should donate some of that blood to cherry on the side too. But I, I, this is just—it just—it just frustrates me that, that this crowdfunding thing has taken such a weird turn, where rich, it's, rich guys are refusing to fund their own game that they got to ask and beg their gamers for money. It's, when it's they like spend they took this, space. It's like they took this straight out of the '90s, except instead of having to rent out space on TV mm. and actually spend money on something, they're getting this like free streaming area to do this. You know, mm. it's like, what the hell? Come on. <laughs> it's literally free money. Yeah. Well, in terms of other crowdfunded games, we have, uh, we have, we have, uh, quite a bit of news about star citizen this week. Uh, sure. Your favorite game. This is my favorite game. It provides the best drama. It's it's like a fine wine, you know. Right. It, well, it never gives. It never stops giving drama. Aged, you know? Well, this time, this time there's no drama. drama. There's no drama oh, this time. Oh yeah. Time, yeah. This time it's they pulled something off and they're showing off their game. Instead of oh, promising man. you a virtual spaceship that's just a JPEG right now, they're actually showing you the goods. Yeah, yeah. They're actually showing the goods, which is nice. And there's a there's a 52 minute video in there. Obviously, we're not going to show all of it. It's actually think, a, yeah. an hour and thirty-seven minutes if you have the whole presentation. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I heard um, from someone that the, the content in this that they showed, like the planets and stuff, was actually more impressive than No Man's Sky. That- oh yeah, it looked really awesome. No, it looks great. And like I was talking to Omer on Skype earlier, and I, I gotta say, like the interfaces for the ships, like if you see it in the corner there, the blue, the nice blue on it looks so much nicer than Elite Dangerous. Like. I mean, Elite Dangerous looks nice and all, but when when you stare at orange for that long, like this bright, blazing orange, it starts to, like, wear on you. And, like, look how nice and clean this looks. It's not, like, like I said, like, the orange in Elite Dangerous, it's everywhere because, like, the entire cockpit is basically, like, this digital hologram thing. But with this, it's, like, more reserved, and it's a nice blue, and it just it looks all nice. Yes, and I've told you guys I hate the orange. <laughs> I was just typing in chat that our overlay is orange. Don't tell Matt. Shh. I told you I hate it. I've told you to change it so many times. Don't even go there. Right. I've, I've watched the, uh, at least 50 minutes of this video uh, earlier, and it, it is quite impressive. Uh, they've shown off that they've made like this world, this engine, and it looks beautiful. The attention to the detail is impeccable. I mean, they show off like, a lot of specific things where... They'll actually go down to the planet, and you can see them landing on the planet. One guy gets off the ship. You can see the other guy lift off, and you can wave to them. And even when he's on like a 
he's on a on a, on a planet. The guy's inside the building. He can go inside the building, and they'll be like in the window. Like the level of interaction is is great. They, they put a lot of detail into it. It has a very massive sense to it. But <coughs> and they they even show you getting a quest. They show you it's very well scripted. The dialogue. It's got professional voice actors. It looks great. You have a quest to basically find a, a ship that was like destroyed and get the black box. So the video basically just shows off all that gameplay and it looks gorgeous. But what's I, kind I of do have to say, go ahead. I do have to say about the quest giving thing before we go on too far. Mm-hmm. I hate the way it looks because you know in games like um uh what is it heavy rain when yes, you have to make like feeling, a choice yeah. between one or two it's and they're text. shaking around and it it's looks the all exact same text. Yeah, <laughs> it's shaking around and it seems like it's a text thing, but it's just an accept or decline. <laughs> But the issue, like, they, they went to the planet, and the planet was kind of empty. But the issue, they showed off that they've made an excellent, like, world. They've made an excellent system. They have every, they have, like, the, the tools in place now. But now they have, to make a, they, have, they have to actually make a game now. They have the world. They got the tools. Now the hard part begins. I mean, they have to put all the quests. They have to create all these systems that interact well with each other. They've made something gorgeous. and They've gone so far from just conception to having something. But there's still so much left to do, it seems. I'm curious when, you know, this is actually going to fully come out. Because... If the game releases and it looks this gorgeous with this style of gameplay, I will be super, super impressed. But again, it, it seems like they did show off that one quest they designed, but there's got to be a million quests. There's got to be crafting. There's got to be interaction with players. They, there's, gotta, there's so much more that has to happen before this all comes together. But they have, uh, they've done a lot, so awesome job Omer, with the game. Are you afraid of your, no, I, I, your I, I, warm, no, here's the light line? As I said, now that now the hard part begins. They they raised like over hundred million. They've got they came this far, they spent a lot of money. Now the hard part begins. They've they've developed an incredible world and engine, but they gotta fill it with content. They have to yep. fill it with meaning yep. now. So this they grind. The hard, they gotta yes. they gotta, they gotta grind, grind it out. out. This is where the hard part actually begins. They made all the technology, they made all the stuff work. They got they got to fill this world up now, and it's going to be so hard because did you see the skill that planet yeah. he landed on? How will how will every planet in the system be meaningful? It's going to be all empty, and this is not a sandbox crafting game. At least you know with No Man's Sky, you could like technically just dig around and dick around on the planets. Like, what, the, the planets need to have meaning. The world has to have meaning, and that's where the hard part begins. I think it's going to be really interesting because. It's like we said, like we would love to play this game yeah. if it actually works. We're not like yeah, I would. Love we're not to gonna be. This. We're not gonna be mad if the game comes out. Like we want it to come yeah. out, but we're just skeptical, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, I'll tell you. I know you. You last week. I wanted. I wanted you to talk a little about the hype around games and what the hype allows to happen. I feel like this is a good time to chime it into because I thought you had some good insight earlier. Okay, so uh, regarding hype being like the the purpose or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I've talked about this before, and it also applies to Shredded Avatar and a lot of these other crowdfunding games. Is in a lot of ways, these games have already we've already experienced them. At least people, the true believers have. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like twenty twelve. You know, people who are waiting for the world to die or the world to end, they bonded over like a shared you know illusion, right? So the people who've been funding. And supporting and following and posting about Star Citizen for all these years now, mm-hmm. I'm sure they've had a lot of fun because they've made you know friends on forums. You know they've they've followed the news. The po- there's a, there's like a there was like a convention for Star Citizen, right? So yeah. think about that. Like a game that's not even out yet. Uh, there was a convention. So people went. They were hyped. They probably dressed up as like the non-existent characters. And I don't mean non-existent like virtual. I mean like literally non-existent. Like they don't even exist in the in the game yet. Like there's no game. So people created guilds. People created like corps, right? They've created alliances. There's already drama going on in terms of people hating each other, and nothing is like 
you know, like, the game isn't even out yet. It's the ultimate role play. <laughs> All right, so so I'm back. It looks like so. I, I just wanted to say that I. I they're finally starting to show what they've been spending all the yes, money on. Yes, yes. I mean, exactly. it's so much detail, and it's not just like detail like they put a toilet in the ship like they've yeah. done before. It's like, oh yeah, toilets are important for role playing. And I'm just sitting there like, whatever, or like environment or atmosphere or something like that. But it didn't matter. It I didn't care. But <laughs> yeah, I just I finally see what they've been spending the money on, and if it's like this the entire way through, then maybe it'll be neat. But I mean, I. I'm of the opinion that if they actually make this exactly like this demo all the way through, it'll just become monotonous by the end of it. Like, it's the same process for everything. There's no way they can make every single mission feel different. There's just no way. Well, they have to fill it with content now. Like, make different missions, exciting missions, different interaction systems. Like, this shows off, like... Scripted. Yeah, how, how great, like, one mission can be. And I think they did a good job doing that. Again, the hard part begins of actually filling up the game with meaningful content, exciting, fun content. You know what I, I realized? Just, this hmm. week has a lot of drama. Like, I, I got another story if, if you guys are ready to move up and start seeing Yeah, I, I, oh, I'm, I'm always down for drama. But this is not really drama. This was The right, drama sorry. llama. Okay, so uh, ZeniMax, which owns id, ID, I guess, software. Mm-hmm. Oh, this one, this so one. So they this are suing Oculus. And, uh, and they've been suing Oculus, but they, they stepped it up now. And I think they stepped it up because Facebook owns mm-hmm. Oculus now, and Facebook's got a lot of money. And if you read the story, it's really interesting because ZeniMax is taking real shots at, at Oculus. They're basically saying the story of like you know that Palmer Lucky guy inventing VR in his basement is a bunch. It's a load of shit. It cut out. I, I cut out. No, you're good. Okay, yeah. No, oh sorry, I forgot to mute it. Oh, so uh, like I was saying, um, so they're basically ZeniMax is saying this whole story about Oculus inventing anything is a bunch of nonsense. And what really happened is Carmack, who's like the the head technology guy now at Oculus. Mm-hmm. He basically stole all this VR technology from id and ZeniMax, and then they went off and founded Oculus. Uh, so they're suing for a, probably going to be globs of money, and it's probably going to take years for this to settle or go through the court system. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a pretty interesting story, and it's pretty interesting how directly insulting ZeniMax was to the people at Oculus. That's what I found interesting. They were specific. They gave examples of exactly what happened. They said, like, the day before, you know, Carmike left, he just he, they copied thousands of files to his USB. And they're being very specific with their claims on how it all went down, which is what was really interesting for me. All right, let me go find that quote, because I, I know Sean would be... He's, he said it was gold earlier, so I know he'd be here wanting to quote this. So basically... Mm-hmm. Okay, so right here, I think this is it. Oculus... The quote... Is exactly okay. So from the lawsuit, Cinemax is alleging that Oculus, at Brendan Aribe's discretion, the CEO of Oculus, disseminated to the press a fa- the false and fanciful story that Lucky was the brilliant inventor of VR technology who had developed that technology in his parents' garage. In fact, the story was or that story was utterly and completely false. Lucky lacked the training, expertise, resources, or know-how to create commercially viable VR technology. His computer programming skills were rudimentary, and he relied on ZeniMax's computer program code and games to demonstrate the prototype Rift. Nevertheless, this fraudulent tale was frequently reported in the media as fact. Lucky increasingly and falsely held himself out to the media and the public as the visionary developer of the Rift's VR technology, which had actually been developed by ZeniMax without any substantive substantial contribution from lucky that is the exact quote boom boom then be fighting words 
And obviously, this is one side of the story. You know, this is them laying down exactly what they say has happened. People typically jump to conclusions. I'm not ready to say that's how how it folded until we, we, we hear from the other side as well. So we'll see how this develops. It's just, uh, it's, it's interesting because basically what they said happened was, okay, so ZeniMax was working on it, right? And then Carmack came on and worked on it and, like, took over the team, so, so to speak, like, in mm. a leadership role working on VR. And then at some point, he started coordinating with Palmer Lucky. And Palmer Lucky had, like, a prototype, which was basically just, like, a screen that attached to your face and it had a wide view. And then Carmack thought that was going to be helpful for developing VR. So he took a copy of it, basically, and started working on it in, um, at ZeniMax. And they, as they put it in the lawsuit, literally transformed Palmer Lucky's little thing into um, what we know VR to be like now, something more like that. Then... Based, uh, I just won't tell the whole thing. Go, go yeah. read the lawsuit. You know? Yeah, it's, it's exciting. But I mean, it's worth mentioning too that VR was not really invented with Oculus either. This is old technology. If you look at the, there was a there was a documentary on virtual reality, and it shows like NASA, one of the NASA space centers, where they had like like forty years ago, like VR technology, but with the giant CRT screens like on your face, and you still had the basic <laughs> premise of it. It just the technology was shit, but they had it working. You know, you could look around and like, everyone was mind blown. You know, so they had the basics down forever ago. It just it's finally becoming commercially viable. Slowly. <laughs> they also had like arcade machines that had vr in the 90s and there was a 90s vr headset like an actual headset you mm -hmm. know and i mean th this isn't really a wholly new thing and that's why it's kind I of funny i played that it was it. shit <laughs> what I, actually played it. I actually played it with a virtual boy virtual boy that's that, that's that's like no not that there was no, 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 what, what, what what matt's talking about is uh are you talking about the one that they had in the arcades where it was like an well, actual thing that you had to step into and it cost like a lot of money to like try it? No, they had headsets for yeah. reality headsets in the 90s. Oh, for PC? For, for PC like... and in arcades. Oh, yeah. I, I remember that like they had an arcade one where like you were standing up in like this circular platform, right? And then. Let me go find it. Okay, so here's. All right. I'll, I'll probably be a little bit with this. I'm 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 object discussion to uh to tibia then. All right, tibia. this is this is back back, back to more RPGs. I've been on a tibia obsession in the past few weeks. But well, I think everyone has once we learned about that nine 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 door. That was badass. That door became like mo legend. Like that was hype. And the fact that we still don't know what's behind, but just he does right, is still pretty. Let's hear, let's hear this week's story. I think it's actually pretty interesting because for the first time in like the game's nineteen years of existence, they've introduced get this guys XP boost into the cash shop. Wow. You know that kind of says to me. Hmm. It says to me they were waiting for someone to get to nine 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 and see what was in the door before they released it. I mean, yes. everybody's like, "Isn't this an insult to that guy?" But what I'm seeing is a company that didn't want to ruin such a secret mm. by having this in the cash shop. Yeah, they're dedicated. They waited. Yeah, they did wait, and it's. I mean, I don't think they they envisioned anyone getting to that door until like that wasn't even like on the table until like five it. years ago, I got four it. years I got ago. It. I got yeah. it. The guy who led to the door, right? He said he's not telling anyone. So now t the people behind Tibia realize, okay, we have an awesome way to make money. Other people want to see what's behind the door, right? Ooh, you're and right. The only way to do it is to buy nine 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 because you can't grind that much. It takes forever. So this mm -hmm. is this is a great. What do you guys way. think is there? What do you guys actually think is there? Why don't we, why don't well, we, we buy know experience this... boost and find out? There you go. I, I think it's just a neat little like, um, just like something you go in and you see, 
you maybe pick up an item you can only find there and you just leave. There, I don't think there's really anything of value behind it. Oh, I don't. I don't think it's that boring. Like, no, oh. th- th- there's more to it. They, they they put some effort into it. I think you got some really cool item. You got a cool area. Only you will see. It's like I think it's an area at least, like a little zone. Explore. You go there and you get 99 <laughs> virgins. Okay. You, you you go in there. There are lollies waiting to ERP with you. All right. That's that's <laughs> what's behind the door, boys. Time to get on Tibia. Let's go. Actually, actually reading, sure, these, reading, reading the patch notes, they're not yeah, actually selling like yeah. levels. They're just selling um. Yeah. It's boost, 50%, 50% boost, boost, right? Yeah, and, and games have had this forever, so it's no big deal. Yeah. But, I mean, it's the fact that the game's been around for, like, 19 years and they've never added this until now is, you know, because we've had XP boosts forever. It's just Tibia has not added them until recently. Mm. I thought they were selling straight-up, like, levels. No, no, no. That's fine. And actually, side note, too, uh, ESO actually just introduced, the, like, lockboxes now, too. So the whole lockbox thing is becoming a thing in like some Western games, too. You know what we should do Pretty for Sunday Funday one week? Maybe when Elder mm. Scrolls is on, like, for sale or something? Yeah. We should all do that game, because I've, I've yet to play it. Yeah, I've yet to play it either, but I feel like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 worth, it's definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 the Overwatch lockboxes, though, they, they don't feel bad compared to other yeah. lockboxes. You still get those crowns, that's why. You, like, you still get something. Well, not good. only that, it's like there's like the big. It's like only a dollar if you were to buy them. It's mm-hmm. like a dollar or less, and then they make like the big explosion. You get four items. It's like no matter what, you get something, and if not, you get gold, which you can use to purchase other things. Whereas like, if you open a fucking lockbox in like Counter Strike, you just feel like you got like you got scammed. You got nothing. I, I you get something really good. Or something <laughs> like really you got scam. like a huge like right. huge dick in your ass. It feels like. <laughs> Should you speak from experience? Uh, maybe. Uh, we'll, maybe. We'll leave that to the, the audience's imagination. We'll leave that for you to decide. <laughs> All right. So on that note, I did find one of them. Uh, the Forte VFX one was a VR headset during the mid 1990s that had a helmet, a handheld controller, an ISA interface board, and it had head tracking, stereoscopic 3D, and stereo audio. It even had like the actual headset for hearing the game. Like yeah, built into it. That's so interesting. This has a built-in headset, whereas the Vibe still doesn't. <laughs> this was 1995, yeah. <laughs> and it's cheaper than the Vibe, and it comes with a controller. Yeah, and so again, yeah, they didn't invent shit, you know. <laughs> they improved it, you know. VR technology was improved and like picked up, but it's it's not new technology, not at all. All right. And I just I think it's funny that it's seen such popularity, considering that it's not new. Yeah. I guess it's just the right time. Well, we have, we can have a discussion about that some of the time. I, I think it's still a little, a couple years too early. Yeah. My brother and I disagree. Well, on I that. mean, it's the right time for the consumer. Like, I mean, yeah. computers are big right now, whereas they were more like core gamer thing to have like a computer and to have things like... In, in mid-90s, you know, yeah. It's a much better time than before. Oh, That's gonna, what I'm do we run another trailer now for uh... we have to see this cool trailer. This was actually I think this this trailer started off like a little too ambitious at first, but I got I got more hype as I watched it. Oh this my is the god. All Star uh... trailer. Oh, I saw and of course, <laughs> yeah, I saw we one. watched it together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this is another one that I skimmed and I Sorry, ended up seconds. skimming. The first thing I clicked, right? Mm-hmm. Or I like the second thing I clicked. The first thing I clicked was on the parapets of that castle. But anyways, mm-hmm. Um, the second thing I clicked was the minecart, and I'm just sitting there like, oh god, it has a minecart. Like, what is this? Are you still traumatized from Donkey Kong Country? Yes. Still traumatized. I'm just like, <laughs> okay, an MMO with a minecart, like, what is this shit? But yeah, it looks pretty cinematic for a top-down game, and or an isometric one, I guess, mm-hmm. but 
I'm just sitting here looking at it like, is it going to feel as great as it looks right yes, now? Yes, that's always the key thing. Because Lost Art, I mean, trailers always look deceptively awesome. Let's be real. Like, how often are you hype for a game? It doesn't even a mo, even like just Mel Gear Solid, everything. Trailers always look hella good. You know, you, you got your hands on the game and play for like a nice seven hour session before you decide. You know, that's what <laughs> I need under my belt before I decide that this game is going to be great. But people are well, already hyped over this trailer. I think this will be a nice, casual, fun game to play. Like, I think it's a great Sunday fun day game. I think Sean will like it for that reason. Mm-hmm. It looks a lot easier than Path of Exile. It, it looks like a Diablo. Basically, I think it's going to be free to play Diablo 3. Like, that's my. But is it. No, it's going to no, be. More like Tree so of Savior, if anything. Tree of Savior? Tree of Savior makes. Tree of Savior no, makes not Tree Diablo of Savior. Or Path of Exile. It's not going to be Diablo, though. Not even close. It's going to have, like, the top basic top view, gameplay, but. It's it's got all this other stuff like you've got the sailing and you've got the different continents and yeah, I mean true. it's got like raids and PvP like well Diablo actual was PvP. supposed to have PvP remember it was it's supposed to have trading too but what happened it's an MMO it's not just four people there you go see <laughs> no but I said I said trade of saver because it still has that MMORPG feel it's not going to be just I mean the way I understand it, it's not going to be just instance it's going to have some persistent world. Mm-hmm. So that's why I mentioned the mix of either Diablo 3 and Tree of Savior or Path of Exile and uh, Tree of Savior. But the trailer looks awesome. I feel like Tree of Savior was a wrong game to bring up. We could bring up like just... I mean, no, it's a top-down top game. That's why. Well, Very few of... More, this like looks like, more like Moo Online or one of the older action RPGs. Then. Sure, fine. Moo Online... But yeah, fine. Because Moo wasn't, you know, wasn't just an ARPG. It was actually a more RPG. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But I don't think many people knew, know Moo Online. Bro, it's an oldie. Bro, it's everyone, an oldie. Everyone knows Moo Online. Come on. Yeah, fun fact, WebZen makes more money off Moo Online than like all the other games combined. All right? Old games are paying the bills at WebZen. I mean, a cow-based MMORPG does sound pretty interesting. Oh, yeah. Moving, I know. Okay. <laughs> Every time somebody says that, I'm like, secretly, this was supposed to be about cows. But then somebody misspelled it as MU, so we stuck with it, because it sounds more sophisticated that way. Oh, all right. One, but, one more, not really controversy, but interesting take on something. Sure, uh, sure you mm-hmm. there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm oh, here. Okay, so what do you think about this? This is this is your alley. Pokemon okay. Go loses 10 right. million users. Why? Yeah. Why did that happen? 10 million daily active users. Yeah. That's wait. Why? Because the game is unplayable. <laughs> like well... it is playable. It's just it has it's got nothing. It's like... it's got nothing. There you go. It's playable, but no, it's wait, got nothing. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. So I haven't played it recently. Are you telling me that they fixed the the feed thing, or is it still there's no, no the feed? The feed are gone. Okay, then, like I said, it's unplayable. It's, it's still in development, but Shut basically up, what Matt. they're going to do is make it so that you can, like, click on a creature or a Pokemon and see, like, what okay, okay, look, kind look, of, look, look. um, they're going to make it so that you can see what Pokestop it went by last, and you can go over ch- to the Pokestop. It doesn't change the fact that the game <laughs> went from playable to unplayable. Like, I, like if That's I could have, like, for sure. I almost wanted to... I wanted to refund my 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 money. Like I spent like two hundred dollars on that game, and then and then it was like the game suddenly went from playable to unplayable. Like it'd be different if it was like that to begin with, but like a lot of the fun. They for removed me, the feature. It's it, kind of silly. They removed yeah, the it's, functional, it's, interesting feature of actually looking and, for something. And yeah, exactly. Well, they're gonna make it so fun you about still it. Look for them, but it's just gonna be it, different. Okay, okay. Look, it, it doesn't matter what you say, Matt, because it doesn't work right now, so it's unplayable. Okay, right. I, I get the footsteps. What the- I don't think that Pokemon Go... I, uh, I don't like, think I that's not- going to fix it, though. Like, even if they brought it back today, I mean, there's still a core, like, amount of depth that's missing. 
Yes, but they, mean, they took away a feature that, that there's, worked. Yes. Okay, my problem with the game. There's no game. There's no game. You're there's right. No game. 100%. There's nothing. There's nothing there after you scratch the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I read a good It's literally comment. like a Skinner box right now. Yeah. I read a good comment online. I just want to read it out loud for you guys. And uh, I agree with this. So there used to be, I don't know if you guys knew this, it was third party sites with maps, right? GPS maps. Yeah, yeah. of course. Okay. Of course. The loss and subsequent banning of maps and map users made nearly everyone I know stop playing, especially in the total absence of an official replacement or a compelling reason to continue. Hearing my map ding was enough to make me leap out of my chair and run to the nearby park at midnight to catch something I wanted. Because I guess you can set notifications. Yeah, like, what, what, yeah I can relate to that. I've done that. Me, me, me and my brother have both like, you know, like I, I'd be at my computer mm-hmm. and he'd come running up the stairs like there's like a there's like a, a charmeleon like like somewhere like one feet away. And I'm like, OK, we, we jump down, throw on my jacket and we all run down the street. And it's happened. That's awesome, yeah. So many times, and like just, just that, like, like the thing that was really cool about Pokemon Go is it made like, like, and I'm a recluse, like I'm as recluse as it gets. Like I don't even want to leave like my room, right? Mm-hmm. But it kind of turned the world into a game, and it added a sense of like mystery and magic to it. Like you know, hell, like I gotta go to the DMV. That fucking sucks, but hey, there might be a cool Pokemon there. There's a Pokestop there too, actually. It, yeah, it, you it could find a Clef key. <laughs> it, it adds. Hey, I like Clef keys. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Whoa. It, it, I I like fairy Pokemon. Okay, I love all fairy Pokemon. Anyway, She's a fairy kind of gal. I am. Anyway, so so yeah, it added that whole thing to the game, and then just suddenly being like taking it out is like infuriating. You know, it's it, that's what was fun about the game to me. Like, I don't find throwing an incense on and camping a Pokestop to be fun. I mean, do you find that to be fun? It's, nope. I don't think it's no. very fun. What was fun was discovering the Pokemons, and I you think, can't do that anymore. I think everyone got bored have... around level twenty. Yeah. Like that was like that seems to be. Like I good. mean, I I didn't. I I got bored because I couldn't play the game anymore. What bothered I used me to go... Was... Yeah. go. ahead. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was gonna say like I I used to go like out to the beach at like ten p.m. and I'd come back at like eight a.m. Wow, you are hardcore. Yeah. I, I I can respect that. All right. Yeah, and and. And it's like it's like I said, it's 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 not even like lack of content. Said, yes, I literally stopped at twenty. So I think I, that's where most people hit yeah, that roadblock. Yeah, I stopped at twenty. I got yeah, to twenty I'm right in there, like right a few days there. of a hardcore play, and I just literally have not leveled up once since then. Sure, what, how far did you get anyway to the level wise? Uh, twenty five, I think. But she got that like very early on. Yeah, no, yeah, we yeah. got like twenty, like like literally a month after she got there. Right? She she hardcored it when it came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I was literally playing like plus hours per day like just walking up and down the beach at night but um one thing that is interesting about uh pokemon go is it kind of made me realize how much i love pokemon again so i actually went back and revisited the other games and i'm, I'm playing those now so whatever sun and moon i'm excited i already pre-ordered it i pre-ordered mm-hmm. both bam both sun and moon why What's choose they could have done so much more with Pokemon Go, honestly. Like to look at it objectively, like from what Pokemon Go is today, as Matt was saying too, there is no depth. They could have added like it just seems like yep. they had a big budget, like over thirty million dollar budget, they said. But and the thing is they did copy some of the core like elements of Ingress and they built on top of it with the Pokemon stuff. But why is there no depth? Where is that depth? Like if you just look at this game, you you know it like Five hours of playing, like, okay, now what? You know, like, I, I just can't buy all these lures, and I just can't, I, I literally catch everything that comes by. The depth is not there. The combat has no, like, it just, 
it's missing so much. And in their defense, they did say the game is only 10% what they want it to be, which is why I'm just curious why it's taking them so long to add some more content to the game. Well, it's a game that's missing content, in my opinion. A lot of content. Seems to be the recurring theme here. Games missing content. Yeah. Star Citizen, Shrouded Avatar, <laughs> Pokemon well, Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's again, the theme of the podcast this week. Um, things are missing content. Mm-hmm. But, yep. And actually, we are running up towards our usual cutoff. So if you guys have any final interesting shit of the week, we can cover it. Uh, give me a second to go through stuff. Let's mm-hmm. see. Uh... I did want to okay. Since we're talking about Pokemon, I did want to bring up Pokemon Rework. I'm gonna give you the link here. Is that the unlicensed uh, Pokemon game? Yes. Oh, okay. God. Matt is a shill for unlicensed Pokemon games. Nintendo Company, arrest this man. Send the Charmanders after him. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Mr. Mom's gonna be unlicensed come... mobile game. Interesting. It looks great. It looks like they stole everything from Pokemon X and Y, except for like the environments. And I, I think it looks great. It's basically like League of Legends, not League of Legends, League of Angels mixed with Pokemon. And it, it's oddly satisfying. You know what I mean? Like you see everybody running around and you go on awesome, these quests. Yeah. <laughs> and it has it has traditional Pokemon combat, like traditional Pokemon combat. You oh, actually do the turn-based thing. It's not auto-battling. It you looks awesome, actually. Pokemon. It looks so <laughs> like, good. Right? Holy crap! Show the video. Oak I think it looks really so good. weird for some reason. Like his facial expression. Just like skip to the middle or something. Uh, yeah, I, see, I, see, I see the gameplay. Oh, it does look cool. I like. You can tell Wait. immediately it's like a Chinese mobile game or something because there's a million like little things on yep, the screen. Yep. Like, like yes, daily that's reward, perfect. hourly bonus, login bonus. Like the the only thing that bothers me is that Pokemon can not only be caught but taken from the gacha, and you have to have gems to evolve them you can't just level them to evolve you have to have gems you know like some sort of currency that you use to evolve them and like i said in the article and like socrates mentioned over there i'm mad that not many not there aren't more people that chose bulbasaur like there's so many fucking charmanders everywhere Yo, i saw what is so this many shit? charmanders but you know what i found funny about this this video at least how some knockoff chinese company could make a more mmorpg game out of pokemon than like nintendo or like ex google people could do in all these years right this actually looks I mean, like an mmo like i saw all those people standing around I, mean, I don't know if they have like multiplayer battles or not but i mean it's an mmo and if they have pokemon trading damn i'd be pretty happy i just um there's no way he's gonna make it here though no no not a snowball's chance in hell but maybe they'll translate it i don't know but it does have some of the pay to win stuff like the top spenders for this month or something get a mewtwo but I mean, <laughs> if, you don't, to give it out. if you don't, uh, if you just do PVE stuff in these games and you ignore like the PVP ladder, that's obviously just a like, big dick competition. Like I spent this much money on it. it mm. then it's just, you can enjoy these games. It's just, most of them have been autoplay up until now. So there's not really been a reason to play them. You know what I mean? I, I think this could be pretty enjoyable if you just ignore the pay to win stuff and do your own thing. And it's got 60, 62 gems. 62 it, gems. It looks cool. The combat looks cool. I, I just hope it's not brain that easy because knowing these Chinese games, and I see like the first like hour, the first 10 hours are going to be brain that easy, but let's see. I'm watching this Eevee fight. All right, at least they did take damage at least. It looks pretty good. No, no, it looks, it looks pretty good. I, I kind of want to play this. Is, like, is this available in the 
you download this maybe you can emulate it you know um yeah. yeah i think you can emulate it I, I don't know if it has any ip blocks or requires you to use a chinese id number i still haven't gone through the process of signing up but like it's linked in the article i linked to the website cool people also ask how is this possible china always gets away with this just a quick uh, thing uh if a company's in china uh, and let's say like nintendo doesn't like this shit nintendo has like the option of basically suing them like america and europe and like in japan where they respect copyright laws and if those companies have like any bank accounts in america or japan they can get those bank accounts confiscated and the money will be go to the, the copyright holder but because they're based in china and the chinese courts just don't give any f's about copyrights it seems that there's no recourse you know you can sue in america and you, even if you win like there's no money to collect they're not based in america they're not based in japan they operate Wait, so how do how do chinese companies protect their copyright do they don't they can tencent did with naruto Oh, but if they, they really have... try, they can. But again, it's not easy either. They knock off each that, other all the time. <laughs> that's Tencent. Tencent makes so much fucking money. It's yeah, like... if you, you can bribe the judges, yeah. I don't want yeah. to dismiss their entire also, legal it's, system. It's but, easier yeah. for like a Chinese judge like to, to support another Chinese company versus another Chinese company. Whereas why, if you're like a Chinese judge, why would you want to like give money from your fellow Chinese people to like a foreigner? You know, like So I think there's a bit of that going on. We can end with one example of more nonsense too, because for example, Apple actually got a—they were banned in Beijing from selling the iPhone 6s because of a local cell phone company claims they own the copyright to iPhones, and Apple's just ripping them off. Obviously, Apple's not ripping off this small shady Chinese company. The small shady company is ripping off and extorting Apple. It's so obvious that that's how it is. But because the local Beijing company is also Chinese, they got some sway with that local court that ruled in their favor, and Apple's trying to fight that now. So, like, copyright laws are a mess in China is the lesson and you can get away with a lot of crazy things international copyright laws yes yeah. it's all it has to be local for you to, be able to enforce it really also i just want to talk about how cool that lapras mount is mm -hmm. you can also ride like dodrios and rhyhorns and um shit i can't oh there's a snorlax one where snorlax carries you on his shoulder it's oh, actually yeah, this, really this, this cool game stuff. looks way more legit than pokemon go in terms of actual meat on the bone that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's crazy. If Nintendo made this game, they make so much money. Like they make crazy amounts of money. It's honestly, I don't even feel bad for Nintendo because they've had so many opportunities to make a Pokemon game that people actually wanted on like on mobile, online, and just do so much. And they've they really have not been on the ball. And I should say before we go, I, you know, people we make fun of like China's copyright thing, but I think they had the right idea. Honestly, who cares? Like, who? They're not really hurting Nintendo by making this game. So just buckle. Oh up. boy, here it comes. <laughs> you know, like just deal with it. If Nintendo's too lame to make their own Pokemon MMORPG, you know, someone else will, right? You know, in like a free world. Communist China, right. actually freer so than the rest. That doesn't give people the right to rob other people for their intellectual. You're not robbing intellectual. though. Robbing <laughs> means I take it away from you. You, you are. Oh. You, you are. You shouldn't right, this, be this able is after to. Show. This is after show. We'll after show for All a right. little bit, and we'll discuss copyrights again. We did this before, and Altai is very passionate about copyrights, or rather, you know, the he we'll, doesn't support. We'll, we'll yell about copyrights later. If you want to hear this kind of nonsense, uh, and you're watching on YouTube, be sure to watch on Twitch Live every Tuesday. From four to six ish yep. PST. Peace guys. Later, Take care. Guys.